in homeopathy, we look at um, our health a lot in terms of susceptibility. So um, we've you know started this conversation today about um, kind of that chronology of how health ailments are you know happen. And a lot of it is because we're kind of creating a susceptible environment for deeper pathology to happen so long as we keep suppressing the symptom and not dealing with that root cause as you were referring to. So in homeopathy, that's what, that is what we're trying to do. Not only help the system in that immediate term, whatever it is going on, mm-hmm. um, but also in a general way, strengthen the defense mechanisms of the body so that it's um, less susceptible to getting sick uh, in the future. So right. we can never guarantee, you know, 100% you're not child's not going to get sick again. We can never guarantee that, but they're going to be in a much, much better spot. Like, for example, um, kids that I work with, um, you know, they have been in treatment for a while and they're back in daycare. All the other kids are getting strep or hand, foot, and mouth diseases going around, and they're the ones that aren't getting it. They're the ones that maybe they exhibit a little bit of symptom, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's shorter-lived, a day or two, and then they're good to go. Um, that's that's really kind of a, a bigger good effect that happens um, from from just sort of like prolonged homeopathy use. Right. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and my guest today is Noel Peterson from the Austin Clinic of Homeopathy. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So in a previous podcast, you had spoken about uh, some of the common conditions that come in are things like uh, kids' issues, chronic ear infections, eczema, digestive issues, and I thought that that would be a great topic for this podcast, um, especially because you had also talked a little bit about how um, for children that are kind of doing the you know conventional treatments for those things, antibiotics that sometimes that can end up with creating other issues in their health later on. Can you speak a little bit to that? And then we can get into uh, examples of homeopathic remedies for kids. Absolutely. Sure. I I think I'll just start with kind of like a a common chronology of pathology in kids that I see. So very often, um, I usually see kids as they're deeper into this process, but they usually get their first earache or ear infection three to six months old, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. generally. Um, and because most of us don't have all the tools that are available, usually an antibiotic is used. Mm-hmm. Um, takes care of the immediate symptoms, but it doesn't really regenerate or restore health. And again, that's that's really what we're focused on doing in homeopathy. Uh, fast forward a, a few couple months, maybe there's a, several more recurring you know, ear infections that happen, mm-hmm. and then um, you might start to have skin eruptions crop up, eczema, uh, things like that, that now adds on. And, and if it's, again, not really properly worked with in, in understanding how the body is supposed to be healing itself, and again, that's what we're doing in homeopathy, and we're just kind of suppressing the symptoms, we're not really going to have um, a chance at, at getting well. All it's going to be is a matter of taking care of the immediate symptoms and hope it doesn't get worse, but right. it generally does. And then eventually the pathology itself is really just a sign that something's you know, wrong in, in, the, in the internal energetic system. That's how at least we see things in homeopathy. Um, and if it's not dealt with, um, it'll move from ear infections and skin eruptions to more deeper pathology, meaning maybe it starts to move now more towards the lungs with 
respiratory issues or mm. an allergic constitution. And so there's allergies, chronic allergies and uh, breathing troubles, things like that. Um, so it just kind of goes deeper in that regard. And then if time passes and we're just still using suppressive medications to deal with it, um, very often it goes even deeper to the mental and emotional realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might get behavior issues or neurological problems, tics, um, you know, kids acting out, aggression even, um, depending on who it is. But that's kind of, you know, if I could paint a, a very, very broad <laughs> picture, right. that's a lot of what I see. And so homeopathy or people come to homeopathy um, at some point on that continuum and uh, I just would always encourage folks, if you're listening to this or seeing this, you know, the earlier the better. Uh, get, right. get folks on, get your kids on homeopathy and, and uh, prevent it from getting down that path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole reason that I wanted to, uh, you know, to devote an hour on this topic is because as you started talking about how the pathology progresses with things like allergies and asthma, it just, you know, I immediately started going through the list of all the people I know with those conditions. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that we kind of take for granted as, oh, they're just really common conditions. Oh, everyone, it almost seems like everyone has allergies to an extent. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really interesting that you basically explained that, you know, what can kind of manifest in these other areas maybe started with that immune suppression from taking antibiotics a whole lot throughout their younger years. Mm -hmm. And that idea of, you know, chronic ear infections that keep coming back, Mm -hmm. we know that's really common too. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give you a chance to uh, kind of explain to parents why they might want to consider a more natural approach to helping those issues even really early on and how you can maybe set your child up to have a much healthier immune system um, and maybe even avoid some of those, you know, asthmatic or allergy issues yeah. that are really, really common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like all natural therapies, um, homeopathy is it's safe and it's non toxic, uh, so you don't have to you don't have to worry about um, side effects or things like that uh, in homeopathy. So, um, you know, we talked uh, previously also about this, but a, a lot of what I do is education. So I'm working with parents on. Your child may take a homeopathic remedy. Maybe they actually get a little bit of a fever after they take it. But don't, you know, and so it's a lot about don't worry about it. And I I do set parameters around when it's okay and when it's not okay regarding that fever. But generally it's uh, trying to help folks understand that you don't have to resort to, you know, Tylenol, which again suppresses. Uh, And and instead, let's work with the body's natural ability to heal. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, so I am, I'm working a lot with uh, parents on education and, and just trying to walk them back from the ledge a little bit when they get very anxious that their kid is sick right. um, or exhibiting symptoms. And so, and as we've already talked here today, um, the earlier the better so that we don't get set up for, for deeper pathology down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and I, I do also work with some of those kids with a lot of behavioral issues. I, I know I've talked a lot about ear infections or strep throat. Um, but especially with boys, um, unfortunately, um, boys are more aggressive at an earlier age even because of a lot of this. Um, and, um, and again, fortunately, we do have a lot of options in homeopathy to help them. Um, but it, it is sort of a matter of walking it all through with the parent and making sure 
don't be afraid if your child has some symptoms through this process, but we'll get them back to wellness. Right. And, you know, just that one aspect of the fever, I mean, clearly it's alarming when your child starts exhibiting a fever. Mm -hmm. Um, But you also kind of had mentioned that, well, the fever is your, uh, is the expression of your immune system working. So there's a certain maybe like safety realm (laughs) where that fever is there, but it doesn't, uh, the fever itself is not causing harm to the child. Mm -hmm. It's just their immune system functioning. Can you maybe like elucidate that a little bit? Like what are the safe zones maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So a lot of times, um, if, you know, Parents will want to reflexively choose like a, a, a fever suppressor of some kind just because it's what they always did themselves growing up or, you know, they, they just can't see, stand to see their child suffer. So I really understand the sentiment of wanting to choose that. Uh, but what I do encourage parents um, is to stay in contact with me. But in general, a child can get a fever into the 100s, 101, 102, 103 even. Um, and so long as it's... Um, so long as it's it's related to when they took a homeopathic remedy, um, I'll generally ask parents just to kind of wait this out, stay in contact with them, and um, but really that's it's probably going to pass. And you know, sometimes I might uh, offer a different homeopathic remedy just to help um, prevent it from even going higher if if that's what we need to do. But in general, with a vital healthy kid, 103, even 104 sometimes is is okay. Uh, but I think sometimes parents sort of find their own limit. So if 101, 102 is too high for them, and they're and I'm getting that feedback, right. I'm not going to tell them not to to do whatever medication they they feel like they need to do. That's just I don't think very sound bedside manner. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll work with parents with where they're at too. But in general, that's the approach I take um, in my own kids, and I don't do anything for parents that I don't do for my own kids. By the way, um, but uh, they'll spike fevers 104, 105, and they're, they're okay. Um, and it's often a good sign of vitality that they have that strong of a vital reaction. So I don't want to suppress that. Um, and we'll, and we'll let it go. And then in terms of a duration for fever, is there a certain duration that you think is maybe like when it's, you know, when is the point where maybe it's, it's either gone on too long or too high that Mm. they, you know, that you would recommend them using some kind of a fever suppressant? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's, Really, it's kind of an individual-based uh, approach, to be honest. Um, often, w- if a fever spikes like that to 103, 104, it's usually in and of itself not going to stay long at all. It's on its own. It's probably going to go down within probably 24 hours. That's what I have found. Um, but, uh, again, every parent has their own soft limit on that, So, um, and I'm okay working with them in, in, in between um, and wherever they're at. So... Um, Probably not a hard and fast answer I can give to you. Each each case is different. Right. But, um, and I think maybe that opens it up to kind of give uh, a little preface, so to speak, about homeopathic mm. medicine and how uh, your approach really is geared specifically to each patient. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, you know, there might be 10 kids that come into my office with the chief complaint of chronic ear infections. Just let's take that example again. Um, but there might be 10 different homeopathic remedies for each person um, because we're not treating the condition. Instead, we're actually looking at um, the full expression of symptoms for each person, even mentally and emotionally. So um, in homeopathy, we'll take the uh, ear infection example again. 
Is it left-sided? Is it right-sided? Is it, uh, did it start on the left and move to the right, uh, for example, or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Um, what is their disposition like with this? Um, is there a lot of malaise and fatigue, or are they um, really capricious and irritable? All of that will very much differentiate which homeopathic remedy is going to be best for them, mm-hmm. um, just because we, we do look at it in a holistic way, mentally, emotionally, and physically, no matter what's going on. And then, you know, to speak a little bit about the homeopathic remedies themselves mm-hmm. and, you know, what is, uh, you know, what can a parent expect, <laughs> so to speak, uh, when they come and they sit down with you for a session? Sure. Yeah. A lot of it starts with the chief complaint, you know, whatever brings them into the office, we'll mm-hmm. start there and um, just try to get as detailed as possible about what's going on, location of the complaint. Um, sensation of the complaint. If if the child isn't um, too young, um, they may be, might be able to explain that it's like a sharp pain versus like a dull, achy pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will want to get to that level of detail. Um, does it come on with other symptoms? For example, um, is did this come on with a cough? Um, and then what is the nature of the cough? Is it a loose cough, dry cough? Um, what time of the day is this worse? What time of the day does it seem better? Right. Does anything else make it better or worse? Um, hot, cold, or uh, hot food or cold drinks, does that make it better? So, again, we'll just get very, very detailed about all this. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say also, in particular, the mental and emotional demeanor is very informative in homeopathy. Um, it will oftentimes point straight to what, what remedy they need beyond any kind of physical ailment. Um, so, but that's my general approach with, with that situation. And, um, also taking a look at the health history. So beyond just the immediate acute illness, let's say there's probably something leading up to that point. So I'll I'll also want to look at full health history, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that too. Right. What are some other, uh, common conditions that, uh, I guess it's not so much the kids themselves that come in, that parents come in (laughs) (laughs) with ailments in their children that you've been able to successfully treat. Yeah, I I know we've talked a lot about like ear infections, um, but strep throat is very common, um, just common colds, um, acute bronchitis, for example, coughs. um, You know, the big thing that I haven't talked about yet is uh, just any kind of gastrointestinal distress, chronic diarrhea or constipation. Kids can, you know, exhibit those symptoms at a very early age. Right. Um, and, uh, and again, we'll just take a holistic look at everything going on and, and individualize the treatment for them. And I think just that one piece of individualizing the treatment is such a stark contrast from what we're used to, you know, which is uh, a quick appointment, <laughs> a quick, you know, turnover time, you know, in terms of our time with the doctor, um, and then, yeah, in a lot of cases, it feels like, you know, if this symptom, then this drug or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like, you know, this uh, simple philosophy that you want to gain a holistic view of what's going on in the patient's body and all of the different things that they might be, you know, uh, presenting or um, experiencing at that time so that you can really get a more clear idea mm-hmm. of how their system needs to be mm-hmm. supported. Yeah. And then can you just speak a little bit about, you know, how a homeopathic medicine works? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, it, it uh, basically, the short answer is that homeopathy or the remedy itself 
is it really acts as a stimulant to what we call the vital force. The vital force is uh, that inanimate healing intelligence of the body. It's the same thing that if you cut your finger slightly, um, will heal itself. You don't have to do anything to it necessarily. Your body knows how to recover, knows how to restore. It wants to find wholeness once again. Mm -hmm. And so that innate healing intelligence, we in homeopathy call the vital force. And so the remedy itself really is just a stimulant to just augment what the vital force wants to do anyway. It stimulates it to do it more efficiently. Um, and as a result, very often um, people feel uh, more energy, their um, physiological systems operate more optimally. So in the case of ear infections or strep throat, we're not targeting exactly you know, to kill bacteria in homeopathy. We're not uh, trying to do that. We're not trying to eliminate one symptom from a specific location of the body. What we're trying to do is, is um, stimulate the vital force so that it takes over and the body heals itself. Mm-hmm. So we use remedies made from anything in nature. Uh, plants and simple minerals are mainly the, the things we use. Um, and, uh, off camera, we were talking a lot about, uh, just the, the really interesting, um, symbiotic nature of us in nature, mm-hmm. uh, for the longest time, that's all we ever really used was things in nature to help, help us heal. Right. Um, wasn't until the 20th century where a lot of that all changed. And, um, and to your point about the therapeutic relationship, um, nowadays it, I mean, you're, you're lucky if you get 10 minutes with a busy doctor because they just have so much going on and, mm-hmm. and it's mainly just about your symptom and this symptom and this symptom, you know, here's your medicine and take that. And, um, so that became the sort of way medicine got done with the quick acting, fast acting, uh, pharmaceuticals. Whereas in homeopathy, it is because we do take that time. It is, as I mentioned, the therapeutic relationship is very integral to it. Right. I think that is appealing for a lot of people, but then a lot of people also just want something fast. And yeah. for that reason, it's not for everybody. Homeopathy isn't. But, but I think more and more people are looking for that. They want, you know, somebody they can trust and somebody they have time with. For the parents who are listening, uh, and perhaps they themselves have... Uh, encountered this recurring ear infection mm-hmm. thing or recurring strep throat or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I know it's really common, um, especially, you know, in a, in young ages for kids to start coming down with these things over and over again. So I just really want to help them understand, you know, you had talked about how homeopathic remedies, um, they're not going to have a negative impact. Like they're either going to mm-hmm. help the body or they're going to have no effect at all. So just that one mm. little piece mm-hmm. um, to know that, you know, they're not going to have ill effects. Yeah. Like worst case scenario is there's no response. They come back to you again and you maybe reassess the situation and mm. try a different homeopathic remedy. Yeah. Um, and that is just such a stark contrast from most of those major pharmaceuticals, which come with a laundry list <laughs> of side effects. Um, and, you know, I know for myself, uh, you know, the idea of having your child on several pharmaceuticals or constantly, you know, needing antibiotics or needing different interventions, um, that is just, you know, to me, very unsettling, Mm -hmm. especially because if they're not able to speak yet, they don't have a way of expressing to you what other symptoms Mm -hmm. they might be experiencing or whatever. So just in the aspect that Mm -hmm. it's, it's safe 
you know, at worst, you'll have no reaction to it, yeah. um, but you're not going to have negative responses. Just to me, I'm not a parent now, but if I were, I would, that yeah. would definitely be something that would appeal to me um, in knowing that it's, you know, not going to be harmful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's part of, uh, I think, why the, the choice is made to, you know, for um, like an antibiotic in that situation is because you know it'll do something regardless of the collateral damage that's happening. Mm-hmm. But um, without kind of a, a skilled approach in what, because it's individualized in homeopathy, maybe you do choose a remedy that doesn't work. Um, and, but you need something fast acting because your child is screaming their head off and it's 3 a.m. So, so I, again, I get the sentiment of that. Um, but I think the more that you do walk into this way of you know, natural things that might help you, the more confidence you'll have built in your choices and how you're doing it and that your child will get through it. They will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so back to what I was saying, the therapeutic relationship, working with parents on that, just kind of educating them. And often I do kind of arm pa- uh, parents with, you know, so you're leaving the office, but have this remedy and this remedy and this remedy on hand just in case yeah. as backups. Um so that they feel a little bit more um, at ease and confident that like, okay, so if this first one doesn't work, I know I can move on to that next one. Yeah. And, you know, we definitely live in the kind of instant gratification um, culture, you know, where people are used to, I want something that's going to immediately resolve this problem Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I also think that, you know, for uh, parents with kids who are who are getting sick frequently and maybe it seems like this same problem keeps recurring, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly there's going to at least be more uh, openness Mm -hmm. to, you know, taking another approach, taking a look at something that um, can maybe actually resolve the underlying issue Mm -hmm. so that we're not just getting rid of this ear infection really quickly Mm -hmm. only to have it come back months later. Mm -hmm. Maybe we do something that doesn't work quite as fast, so to mm-hmm. speak, as fast as we're used to, but we're going to have lasting effects. Mm-hmm. That's and exactly a, right. And a healthier child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, actually. Yeah. In homeopathy, we look at um, our health a lot in terms of susceptibility. So um, we've you know, started this conversation today about um, kind of that chronology of how health ailments are, you know, happen. And a lot of it is because we're kind of creating a susceptible environment for deeper pathology to happen so long as we keep suppressing the symptom and not dealing with that root cause as you were referring to. So in homeopathy, that's, that is what we're trying to do. Not only help the system in that immediate term, whatever it is going on, mm-hmm. um, but also in a general way, strengthen the defense mechanisms of the body so that it's um, less susceptible to getting sick uh, in the future. So right. we can never guarantee, you know, 100% your child's not going to get sick again. We can never guarantee that. But they're going to be in a much, much better spot. Like, for example, um, kids that I work with, um, you know, they have been in treatment for a while and they're back in daycare. All the other kids are getting strep or hand, foot, and mouth diseases going around, and they're the ones that aren't getting it. They're the ones that maybe they exhibit a little bit of symptom, mm-hmm. but maybe it's shorter-lived, a day or two, and then they're good to go. Wow. Um, that's that's really kind of a, a bigger good effect that happens um, from, from just sort of like prolonged homeopathy use. Right. And so you mentioned, you know, that with your own kids that you're using homeopathic remedies. Can you maybe just speak to that a little bit sure. and maybe how you've noticed 
uh, their own yeah. tendencies towards illness compared with others? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So one great example. So I have three boys, and um, my second uh, born, he developed terrible croup. Uh, croup can come on from anything, uh, from bacteria, virus, or allergies even, but the croup itself is just the form of the cough, and it's sort of that barky, kind of horrible-sounding <laughs> cough. Um, and he would have recurring croup. Um, and based on his symptoms, um, there was a ton of throat irritation. Um, he would exhibit gobs and gobs and gobs of thick mucus. Not every croup has that, but in his situation it did. And um, worse from cold or cold things, uh, the illness would come on with cold, like a cold front moving in. So we look at all these individual things, and he needed a remedy called Heparsolf. It's it's made from a chemical compound. Um, But immediately immediately showed benefits within wow. within minutes and um within about 12 to 24 hours the croup was fully gone so wow that's how like so if you have a good remedy it can work amazingly fast so it's not despite anything i've said today despite uh what i've said it's it's not that homeopathy works slow uh it's just that it does take you know skill in finding a, a good remedy so mm-hmm. um that's the more hard that's the harder part but so that that is one example and what, what I also noticed, and this is just an interesting uh, discovery about my, my second born, is my firstborn son um, sort of demanded attention more, I guess. And so our second born would often feel left out. And um, so there was this element mentally and emotionally of requiring attention, wanting to be seen, wanting to be noticed. Right. And um, he would get symptoms <laughs> when, when that would happen. So, or our eldest son would get more attention. So this is, again, just to illustrate that, you know, our mental and emotional sphere can create physical symptoms. We're, we're whole beings. You know, we're not just a sum of parts. At least that's how we see things in homeopathy. Um, and so sometimes, too, my, my son would get kind of croup or bad cold or cough because of um, that relationship dynamic he had with his brother. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, that was probably the biggest stark example of his health. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, personal experiences. We've all had that, um, whether it's feeling really depressed and lethargic because you're in bed sick with a cold (laughs) or feeling, you know, I've noticed this for myself. I'll be burning the candle at both ends. I'll be noticing that I'm really stressed and I kind of start like getting that little red flag in my head that like, you know, you got to slow down or whatever. And then suddenly I wake up the next day and I have a cold or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, so it's, I've definitely been able to observe for myself that like when I'm physically sick, my emotions go, sure. go down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm starting to get emotionally spreading myself too thin, that oftentimes I will, you know, get sick shortly thereafter or whatever. Yeah. So that that physical emotional connection or whatever i think you know for um for 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 whatever it's worth mm-hmm. it's something that i think most of us can observe for ourselves mm-hmm. um and it's definitely interesting that uh the emotional aspects could even bring on the symptoms of mm-hmm. that physical yeah quite intensely condition. sometimes <laughs> um but the fact that you know 
he had, rec- you know, had uh, such significant recovery in just 12, you said 12 to 24 oh, yeah. hours after starting? it was over fast, yeah. So there is, so it is uh, fast acting mm-hmm. uh, once you have the right remedy. Yeah. But in terms of um, getting to know the whole health of the child or the patient, yeah. really being able to know exactly what they need, that's the piece that can maybe take a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. Great point. Uh, so when folks enter into my practice, there is that kind of getting to know you phase. That's what the initial visit is. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's something more immediate that the person is in the room. You know, there's a chief complaint or there's the health condition. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, as that relationship is established and, you know, we get to know each other, have a couple appointments together, um, I can be pretty certain and confident and help parents know, make sure you have the this remedy, this homeopathic remedy, and this homeopathic remedy in case this or this, or this happens right. uh, for your child. So that's kind of how I will work with uh, families on on that so that they don't have to be so in the dark on, the, on their own right. about it. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, it's challenging because a lot of times you you're not sure about this homeopathy stuff or you don't know the practitioner but that's you know part of what I'm doing this today is to to help alleviate anxiety about you know homeopathy or working with a homeopath because boy we can really get kids through a lot of pretty bad illness without (laughs) you know fairly fast um without uh um without any you know like we said earlier side effects or toxins and things like that Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe um, it's worth mentioning that, you know, a little bit about the negative effects of of taking antibiotics Mm -hmm. on a really frequent basis. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we uh, have talked on this podcast before about how, you know, there's all this beneficial bacteria throughout the body um, that is really essential Mm -hmm. for your immune system function. You know, just on just to talk about like one system, uh, but all of the different organ systems of the body kind of rely on this beneficial bacteria. Uh, so, if parents are constantly administering antibiotics um, a couple times a year, or I mean, I've known kids that were on them like a few times a month, even, um, you know, that you're actually kind of destroying. The, the immune system, mm-hmm. to, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it kind of acts like napalm in the gut, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. And um, But again, if, if that's kind of what you grew up on or kind of what you're used to, you know, so um, I don't have any judgments one way or the next on it. But yeah, it's, it's good to kind of get that information out that um, maybe there's an immediate clearing up of that ear infection or that strep throat because of the antibiotic. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, chances are it'll recur or come back um, or something worse will happen. So yeah, absolutely. We're, we're big on doing what we can, um, to help parents know that there are other options. And, uh, again, once you have some good remedies on it, you know, in your pocket and you know what to do with them, you can rest assured you'll get some results fast. And then, you know, like I've heard the recommendation to take probiotics mm. after taking antibiotics. Is that something <clears throat> that you can speak to? <clears throat> at all, or? Um, honestly, it's not a ton within the scope of homeopathy. I um, don't work or I don't have a specific recommendation to have this probiotic or this probiotic. Um, I, ju- I just really um, I do recommend uh, as much as possible clean up the diet no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I don't give specific diet plans, but... Uh, generally speaking, um, with anybody, the more fruits and vegetables that you have, the better. And right. anything that doesn't inflame the gut. But uh, post-antibiotics, um, 
I've heard the same thing, but I, uh, to be honest, I can't speak directly to that. No, it's okay. Uh, so that kind of brings us into to digestive issues, though. Mm-hmm. You want to speak a little bit sure. about that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, too, un- too common, unfortunately, is uh, our, our young young people or teenagers even with um, um, chronic constipation or diarrhea issues. Um, I'm even seeing a lot of ulcerative colitis at a younger and younger age. So, um, but once again, there's hope in homeopathy for this. Um, Thinking of a recent example of, uh, of of somebody I worked with, um, this particular girl is 12 years old, um, wasn't always this way, but she presented very timid and shy and really low, low confidence because um, she was a very bright, energetic, vibrant, young child. And then um, through a series of events, had some mercury poisoning, in fact. And um, just, it's almost like her personality changed. Um, her, her mother even reported feeling like she lost her child. And uh, chronic constipation was also there. Um, and, um, not every mercury poisoning case needs the homeopathic remedy mercury, but that's actually what I did give in this instance because it fit a whole lot of else of, of her case. Um, but immediate results, this child almost turned, turned over, um, um, within about a month. It was almost like, you know, her mom actually is quoted as saying, you know, I feel like I have my child back personality resumed. She was happy. Digestive system is, is regulated again. Um, confidence is back. Vitality is back. And this is somebody who I saw four months ago from this podcast date. And uh, um, that um, one dose of that homeopathic remedy uh, is all she has needed. So it's the turnaround can be really dramatic with the right remedy and, and lasting too. Mm-hmm. And because of that, last uh that um positive change in her life she's now less susceptible to getting sick from other things Mm -hmm. and that's what i was referring to before where you know specifically we helped her with that those those things but in a more general way she's now better set up to Mm -hmm. to live a happier life and to stay that way and i think that's one of the crowning jewels of homeopathy is uh being able to just withstand or having that healthy system can help you withstand other other stuff that may come. Right. So you're not only uh, better, so to speak, or without the symptom that you came in with, but now you're actually leaving with a stronger system, stronger defenses or immune system. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. That is so interesting. So it's just a highly diluted, you know, so the homeopathic remedy is like a highly diluted Yep. Uh, mercury. Can you <laughs> yeah. just speak a little right. bit to, you know, so how did that come in and actually help her system yeah. function better? Yeah, I better explain how homeopathic remedies are made. <laughs> uh, but we, as I mentioned earlier, we use anything in nature, sometimes even toxic substances. And, um, and I do talk with parents about this, but we start, let's just take this horrible thing called mercury. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it's toxic. It's a neurotoxin. It's very, very bad in its crude form. We take a little bit of that and we dilute it in water with a little bit of alcohol as a preservative. And then we take one drop of that, add it to about 99 drops of another water alcohol solution, shake that up a whole bunch, add one drop of that to another um, container of 99 drops of water and a little bit of alcohol. And we do that successively many, 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 many times. After about 12 times, 
we have fully diluted out any physical molecule of the original substance. But that's how homeopathic remedies are made. We hyperdilute it. We dilute out any toxicity, and what's left is the energetic imprint of that original substance. And even though that's hard to believe or understand, that is how it works. And um, modern science is now telling us that it, it works on a nanoparticle level, that there still is, uh, some folks would call it water memory, but um, basically homeopathy is nanomedicine, ultimately. Um, so even though uh, it started from mercury, very toxic, horrible substance, we diluted it many, many, many times so that there's nothing horrible left in it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, effectively water with mercury imprint, energetic imprint. That's then transferred to these little sugar pellets. So they taste sweet. Um, kids like them. Mm -hmm. um, but in this uh, example that I was referring to, she took a couple doses of it, uh, and um, it stimulated her vital force to take over and heal. Um, how exactly healing worked, uh, like what um, organ did what or what biochemical pathway did what is less relevant in homeopathy in as much as... Um, she got her life back <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, symptoms improved. And, and as I mentioned, after four months, um, you know, it's been actually a little over two or three months or so. She, she hasn't even received any more homeopathic remedy, but her body is now still, it's still healing because of that stimulation of, from the homeopathic remedy to her vital force. Wow. So it's almost like you're helping to, to feed the body's own intuition to heal, maybe coming in and just giving it yeah. like a little like cliff notes almost. Maybe, like, yeah. Hey, here's, uh, here's, you know, in the case of the mercury, you know, like here is, as you said, you know, the energetic imprint mm -hmm. of this thing that is causing toxicity throughout the body. And it almost maybe is just teaching the body how to detoxify that yeah. substance or. I think in her case, it did require that. It did require some detoxification. Not every case is like that, though, um, but for her specifically, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you used a, a very um, apt word in, in educating. Um, it, it is. It's almost like the body knows how to heal. We're just kind of educating it on how to do so more efficiently, right. more optimally uh, in homeopathy. So it is an education process. You know, I almost feel like you could ask, you know, because we are incredibly resilient beings. You know, our bodies are, are designed to detoxify. Our bodies are designed to uh, have a really strong immune system that identifies and neutralizes, you know, pathogens that are potentially harmful. So it almost begs the question of, you know, like what in our lifestyles or in our diets or whatever it is has made our bodies lose that intuition and those natural defenses. Mm. And maybe homeopathic medicine <laughs> is in some way coming in to, uh, like, fill in the gap mm. that's been created. Because there's so many of those major diseases which used to claim so many lives. And now in the modern age, mm. uh, many of those diseases are, are no longer an issue, but it's also opened us up mm. to all of these other conditions which have become really, really common. Sure. Um, so it's an interesting, uh, you know, conundrum, I guess, to, to kind of ask, you know, what is, uh, what is missing in our bodies that has now, you know, prevented them from, you know, being able to defend themselves? Mm. Yeah, so it's a big question, a big statement, too. You know, it's kind of the nature of disease itself. Um, how do things exist? Why do they exist? Mm -hmm. 
why do we have the diseases we have now and that um, uh, and not the ones we had 100 years ago. Um, boy, there's probably a lot to say about that. But, uh, um, you know, I think probably the biggest point I could make is despite advances in met- modern medicine and, and pharmaceuticals and such, um, I still think it's important to have a relationship with nature that mm. in homeopathy um, we do as I mentioned, derive our remedies from things in nature. It could be anything right. in nature. And I think um, there is a calling, I, I think, that our body does call for something like that to, to, to help aid us in our wholeness and wellness pursuit. Um, pharmaceuticals, for all their benefits, don't do that. They're you know derived in, derived in a lab, and despite changes people feel in their life from them, you know, and, you know, that, and that's all fine and good, but... I think to help kind of add to what you're saying, um, I think we still need a relationship with nature and substances in nature and to be in nature. And, um, and I think, yeah, our, our health is restored that way. Definitely agree. Um, what are some other common, you know, childhood conditions mm. that you've been able to help with? Mm. Yeah, I guess I've touched on, um, maybe some of the more behavioral issues. Uh, I've talked a little bit about ear infections and strep throat and coughs and colds, um, GI distress. So um, I guess I could, one of the things that uh, when I first started my practice, I think it found me. I wasn't trying to find this, but a lot of people came to me for help with their children who who were having pervasive developmental delays, um, Asperger's, autism, things like that. Um, it, I was new in homeopathy and I was sort of confronted with this, um, looming problem in our culture with a lot of kids, um, suddenly and rapidly being diagnosed with, with these things. So I took on the challenge and, and did, did my work and, um, fortunately, you know, found some really great success with it. So, but I think that's unfortunately too common, uh, are those kinds of things that people come to homeopathy with. But I do find that we were talking about that continuum of pathology, you know, at right. the very start of this podcast. And um, I do find that that to be the case a lot in the child's health history is there's been a lot of suppression, a lot of ear infection started at three to six months. We, you know, didn't know what to do. So we just did antibiotics and then we treated the fever with Tylenol and, and on and on it goes until the two-year checkup where the child still is not talking and, um, you know, just having meltdowns all the time. So mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a much more intense and sev- basically severe situation uh, that I see, but it, it is one thing that um, fortunately we can do a lot in homeopathy for, for that. And I've seen some really dramatic things change in kids' lives where after their first homeopathic remedy dose, they're saying their first words. Wow. And the parents are weeping, and, and it's it's transformative. And I so. know just personally um, several people with with children who they're they're still not speaking mm-hmm. even into like you know ages two through four. Um, so that's I think is is increasingly common. Yeah. Um, but for there to be something, for there to be hope mm-hmm. for that, I think is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and that kind of goes along with that point I was making earlier, you know, get kids into homeopathy as early as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it, you know, we can't prevent everything, but, you know, um, I think your kids stand a much greater chance if uh, the earlier they're taking remedies than not. Right. 
So can you talk a little bit about, you know, the homeopathic remedies you've used that have helped with, you know, autism and some of those developmental disorders? Sure. Um, you know, some of it is, uh, like I mentioned, we, we use anything in nature um, to, to use homeopathic remedies or, or make remedies. So off the top of my head here thinking, um, I can think of one, one case where um, the remedy that helped in this case was, um, it's called Burrita Carbonicum, and it's just basically barium carbonate. It's, so it's made from that chemical compound. Um, we use Latin names in homeopathy. We like to be fancy like that, so, um, <laughs> but, it, but it was essentially made from that element. Uh, or that compound. And uh, this particular child was, um, came to my office and, and it's so much of being a homeopath is observation. Mm-hmm. I'm an objective observer and I just try to take in as much information as I can to get as holistic look as I can at the, at the person. Um, I noticed immediately, even when I invited um, the mother and the child into the waiting room, um, that he, he almost didn't know how to walk. Not that he wasn't physically capable of walking. Mm-hmm. It's just that he was just so dependent on his mother, like very, very dependent. Um, mm-hmm. Couldn't walk unless his mom was like holding his hand and walking, coming back. And I believe he was about two years old, this child. So um, in the consulting room, um, like many of these cases, the child just appeared to be very into their own world, um, hardly an interaction with, with me or anything. Um, wasn't, you know, wasn't talking at all, was uh, just kind of staring at himself in the mirror. Um, You know, he could hear just fine, but there was just no interaction with the outside world, totally enclosed within himself. So um, for lots of reasons, uh, I went with uh, Burrita Carbonicum, but that really stood out, was that utter dependency on on the mom and that he didn't have any ability to to do anything on his own. Mm-hmm. So not every case is like that, but in this case it was. And so that's the remedy I chose. And uh, about six weeks later, he came back for a follow-up and um, was eye contact was 10 times better. Um, hadn't formed words yet, but um, had discovered toys, was playing with toys, um, interacted with me much more, was, um, you know, looking at me and, Again, not using words, but kind of signaling or pointing to things that he wanted me to look at. So, again, just much more engaged with his world. And, yeah, and, and just communicating, mm-hmm. even non-verbally. Yeah. And, and so that's been kind of an ongoing case, but that is one example of the immediate term, what can happen. And then there's just kind of ongoing follow-up. Um, again, these are much more um, severe and intense cases. Right. Not everything's like this, but in those instances, yes, the, it, much more longer-term follow-up is required. Mm-hmm. That is freaking fascinating. Sorry, I'm just like, whoa. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> That's good. Well, because, I mean, you just think of conditions like that as yeah. like, there is no remedy. Yeah, so autism is much, as I mentioned, severe, intense, much more complex case, longer term. Right. Like that. So much right. more commonly um, just getting kids well from um, common colds, coughs, um, complicated coughs as well, uh, recurring coughs, right. um, ear infections, strep throat digestive distress. Yeah, those are the big things. in and of themselves have all of those, you know, terrible symptoms. And of course, they're terrible for the child. But then it creates so much stress and, you know, probably anger and frustration. And, you know, now the relationship between the child (laughs) and the parent has this additional stress on it. Mm. 
So I think it's just, you know, always important to kind of understand that, like, there's the problem itself mm-hmm. and the symptom itself, but then there's, like, all of this other stuff that mm-hmm. kind of outflows from yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think one of the other things you had mentioned previously was um, eczema. Mm-hmm. You know, which you can imagine for a child would just be, you know, I mean, it's bad enough for an adult, but at least as an adult, you have an understanding of what it is or why, but you can imagine for a child, a condition like that would just miserable cause them so much distress. Yeah. I've had uh, children come into my office completely wrapped up with um, even like saran wrap because they're itching so much uh, and the parents don't want them to do that. And, um, so it can be a really, really, really miserable experience for everybody. And, um, and again, I feel like it's a recurring thing, but I've really helped a lot of kids with, with eczema. Um, there's sometimes a process of a lot of steroid use being used to suppress it, um, out of just trying to find some relief, which I get. Um, so there is a bit of a process of kind of weaning back from that. The more that the remedy is helping the system restore be, uh, get restored. Um, but it, yeah, the, just a, one example, young girl, um, three years old and probably developed eczema around 12 to 18 months old and, um, dry, flaky, itching all the time, itching in her sleep, could hardly get adequate sleep. Um, just seemed irritated. Understandably. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I don't know, after working with her and understanding her whole case, um, she received a remedy called sepia. And sepia is derived from the ink of a female cuttlefish. So we use, as I mentioned, anything in nature. And that's actually the remedy, very, very, very helpful remedy for lots and lots of things, sepia is. Um, you might know of uh, very helpful for, for women um, experiencing menstrual irreg- irregularities, um, exhaustion from like even being pregnant and just kind of being exhausted. Sepia will be very, very helpful for her energy. Um, but in this case for three-year-old with eczema, that's what she needed and, um, immediate results. Um, there was, um, because homeopathy can sometimes, or, or what it does is stimulate the metaphors. There can sometimes be a little bit of an aggravation of symptoms, maybe for a day or two before it actually gets better. And that's what happened in this case. Parents contacted me, were concerned, things seem like they're getting worse. Um, I talked about what was going on, gave them a little bit of instructions about what to do. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but sure enough, four to six weeks later, the child's skin was about 50% improved. Wow. Um, you know, no longer wrapped up in uh, saran wrap. Um, and, uh, and just kind of from, from there, it's been um, a few more appointments to fully get it, get her really totally clear. But at this point... Um, took a few months, but she's totally, totally clear and doesn't have any other issues at this time. So, wow. Yeah, pretty That's amazing just stuff. Fascinating. And a cuttlefish. Um, <laughs> can you speak a little bit more about, you know, I know in the previous podcast you talked a little bit about how the homeopathic remedies were originally discovered, mm. but can you maybe just sure. speak a little bit to mm. that now? Yeah, yeah. So um, homeopathy was um, derived. Um, sort of accidentally, by um, a German physician in the late 1700s. His name was uh, Samuel Hahnemann. So Dr. Hahnemann was very disgruntled with how uh, the medical practices of his time. 
And I think a lot of people probably listening or watching this feel similar. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, there was a lot of the use of uh, mercury in its crude form um, to as medicine, um, bloodletting, um, purgatives, things like that. And he just thought, this is too crass. There's got to be a better way. Right. So at the time, he was still a practicing physician, and he um, malaria was rampant in his region, and quinine was used to treat malaria. Uh, quinine is actually made from the bark of a tree. So he thought, though, well, this natural substance, I don't have malaria, but what if I take it? What happens then? And he actually started to exhibit symptoms of malaria. From taking the thing that was used as the treatment. That's right. So um, it was because quinine was successful in treating malaria. So he thought, well, what happens if I take it? And he then got symptoms of malaria. So what he discovered was the law of similars, um, which is very complicated to understand, and you don't have to understand it to know that homeopathy works. But that's how he discovered it. And he thought, well, what if I take this substance, like sulfur, for example, and I don't uh, have a problem, but I'm going to take sulfur and see and just write down my symptoms. Well, he started to exhibit um, skin eruptions that were kind of oozing yellow funk. <laughs> he started to uh, develop gastrointestinal distress and diarrhea occurring usually around 10 a.m., 10 to noon. He, um, um, you know, experienced a lot of other symptoms. Well, what he discovered was those are the symptoms that it'll cure in somebody naturally occurring from those same symptoms. So that's how homeopathy was discovered. Homeo means similar pathology. It's a lot of similars. And so, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll use anything in nature. We'll hyper-dilute it. Uh, we'll test it by healthy people taking it. They'll write down their symptoms a lot over a long period of time, and that's what we know that remedy cures then. Wow. So that's how it's... That's how uh, we call those provings, and that's our, how our scientific research is done on provings. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think it seems very uh, counterintuitive, but at the same time, you know, there's a, it kind of like harkens back to what you were saying about, you know, the body needing nature, and there may be, you know, we can talk about all of these different quotes throughout history mm. where, you know, they recognized you know, uh, let food be thy medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. so many different um, instances where, you know, people were noticing that there's a, a great deal of, um, you know, healing benefit that can be imparted through yeah. these natural compounds mm-hmm. and, of course, just eating a healthy diet <laughs> and all of these pieces as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about how maybe it's helping to uh, fuel the body's own intuition mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. healing or, mm-hmm. or teaching the body how to mm-hmm. heal or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it, it is kind of odd sometimes to think about, you know, the law of similars and how it works. Um, and again, that's okay. You don't have to understand it. Um, right. But that is how things work. And um, and we've discovered thousands and thousands of different homeopathic remedies through that proving process that I was d- explaining. And that becomes now our basically our, our encyclopedia of homeopathic remedies that'll help Mm -hmm. and we just need to sit down with somebody in that case with that young girl learn about all of her symptoms and sepia was the remedy that covered all of her symptoms the best so she got sepia and and she was all the better for it wow and certainly for you know anyone whether it's a, a health condition that we have ourselves or it's our kids that are experiencing them if something works 
then you don't really, you know what I mean? What else do you need? If it helps the situation, um, you know, then I think that that is, uh, I say this a lot, you know, the proof is in the pudding, <laughs> you know, um, and I think people are getting to the point uh, now, you know, where if you're not getting the answers from, you know, the approaches you've tried or whatever pharmaceuticals or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the mainstream approach has given you, you know, people are, are looking more to those um, alternatives. Sometimes it's a natural remedy mm-hmm. or herbs or, you know, there's all of these different kind of pieces, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah. um, that we look at as holistic, you know, practitioners. Uh, so I think this is definitely something that um, just for, for the pure fact that this is something you can try without negative effects, mm-hmm. you know, like worst case scenario <laughs> is you may need to try a different remedy. Yep. Um, that alone, uh, you know, to me is, I think, important because so many of the medications that are recommended now have just so many negative side effects. It's kind of scary. Um, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. That's why I do what I do. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. You're welcome. And look forward to having you on the program again. Thank you very much. I want to thank all of you for listening. Remember, you can find video versions of these podcasts on wellnessplus.tv. And if you'd like to learn more about Noel, you can visit him at austinclinicofhomeopathy.com. I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.